G'day and welcome to another instalment of the Fly Fishers podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing at our Melbourne fly shop. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques. In this episode, we chat with Scott Flyrod's president, Jim Barchi. Jim is widely regarded as one of the world's best rod designers, and with the launch of the new Session Series, we wanted to find out more. Jim, it's great to hear from you. How are you? Good, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Uh, doing well, doing well. Excellent. Um, so nice to be back over in this side of the world after six years. Yeah, welcome back. It's um, yeah, it's good that you you do get down here a fair bit, and I kind of lump Australia in with New Zealand. I'm not sure why, because you know, I guess it's just across the ditch. Yeah, no, no, of course, but um, no, I mean this whole nuttiness that we just all went through uh, for the last few years, uh, you yeah. know, so the you, first real opportunity I've had to come back since, of course, 2018. Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. Uh, how long are you sticking around for? Uh, like four more days. We're going to, um, so, you know, we're, uh, we're piling on content for the session launch and, um, uh, yeah, just hanging out, having fun. Um, good, mate. But, you know, shooting a lot of video, a lot of stills, um, doing stuff like this. Um, and, of course, getting some fishing in. <laughs> Always the priority. Um, yeah, look, congratulations yeah, yeah. on the, the new Scott session launch. Uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. It's been in the, uh, obviously, a, a fair bit of time in development. Yes, yeah, yeah. Surely the, the most fun part, though, would be at this point where you do get to release it and get it out there, fish it, and create some content and some stuff that you can, you know, used to absolutely yeah new zealand i guess it's it seems to be a regular thing for you to to want to travel to new zealand is it just your contact there in Renai, or is it the fishing that really draws you there well it's it's yeah i mean it's our close relationship and and friendship and um and then you know the fishing doesn't suck either (laughs) (laughs) yeah so with uh, with already a number of fish eight pounds or bigger on the five weight session, um, I you know I've been joking with Brene. I'm like, you know, when when you know let, let's say he catches a three or four pounder and he's like, ah, oh, dink. Yeah. And I'm like, anywhere else in the world, that's a trout of a lifetime. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. They just right, don't know right? how lucky they've got it there. I uh, know. Exactly. So <laughs> it's always a treat to get to fish here and, um, and uh, you know, beautiful water, beautiful fish. Um, it's just it's such a, such a treat. Um, and did you bring over a, a quiver of session rods to, to fish while you're here? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, what's the what what model are you been fishing on the on the rivers mostly? Uh, the nine foot five weight. Yep. Perfect. Yep. And and it's um, one of the neat things about it is um, it 
it's such a versatile rod. Um, you know, it, it'll handle a double nymph rig with a split shot well. Um, and then if you want to switch to a small dry, it, it just has that range. Um, and it seems to be comfortable with any kind of trout rig you want to set it up with. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, the nine foot five weight, does that get a bit more attention when you're putting that range of rods together? As in, do you spend more time in the development of that model than any other, knowing that you're likely to sell more of those than anything else? Well, yeah, because I, I, I think um, it's a range defining model. And um, if it's the one that will most likely uh, be judged as an indicator of, of how good the range is. And if, if that one's not nailed, um, yeah, your chances go way down. (laughs) Um, but that being said, probably two, I mean, the nine foot five weight is definitely one of my favorites in the range, but I love the nine foot four weight. Um, I love the nine and a half, six, just, beautiful rods um really really easy to fish and cast and um just yeah and and the like a couple of the things that really stand out for me with like especially the nine foot four and the nine foot five is just how light in hand they are um i mean we we weighed the nine foot five on a digital scale at, at 85 grams um, which is still like, right. yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, um, uh, and it feels that way in your hand. Like it's almost, you know, not there. Um, so awesome, it's, man. it's just really, really comfortable rod to have in your hand all day. And, yeah. um, well, look, we'll talk yeah. a bit more about, you know, what's gone into that rod in a bit. Um, but I do, I've got a question for you in the sense, like you're, arguably one of the greatest rod designers of our time and you head up one of the world's great rod brands why is it that the aussie and new zealand market is at all important to scott when you have like what is there 20 million fly fishers in america at the moment or more oh because this is there's probably not a more passionate dedicated group of anglers anywhere in the world um, meaning, I guess what I mean by that is that if you were to take the number of people that fish and the passion and dedication and skill level of Aussie and, and New Zealand anglers, I think, you know, per, for the number of anglers, um, it's just such a high level. Um, and so there's always so much good feedback, um, and, you know, I know too, like when prototypes are getting fished over here and tested, I, I, I'm always confident in the feedback I'm getting. And, and, and then the other fact of the matter is, honestly, I don't know that there's more uh, a place on earth where more big trout are caught. <laughs> I mean, um, and so that puts a real strain. I mean, uh, you know. Now, Typically that in makes America, sense. I guess uh, we're yeah we're we're lucky enough yeah, to have fishing uh, like that that is going to test that gear to its extremes. Absolutely, I mean it, it's like it's like making sure that your 
you know, tarpon class rods are performing in Florida. You know, there's nowhere you're going to hook more big tarpon consistently, you know, and, um, and if it doesn't pass that test, it, you know, it doesn't, in my mind, you know, that, that would be a a big disqualification. Um, and I think it's the same here on, on the trout side. I mean, you know, just look at the quality of trout fishing you guys have you know, over in Tassie and, and, you know, all over. And, and then same here, you know, a 16 inch trout in the States is a big trout. (laughs) Um, and it, and it might weigh a pound and a half, you know, two pounds. Um, uh, and for most people that's considered a big trout. Do you have Um, any theories as to why Australian and New Zealand anglers might be that, that, uh, bit more, they're enthusiasts and they are that passionate. Why do you think the passion level has taken up that little bit more where we are? Here? You know, it's, in, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, well, the quality of the fisheries really helps, but I also think just the, the sort of the keen nature of sportsmen over here, you know, whether, you know, whether it's, um, you know, going on a hike or hunting or fishing or whatever they're engaging in. Um, you know, you guys go hard, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, I guess we do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not, um, uh, yeah, you go all in and and we're we're, we're not sitting on the couch. Life's there to be lived. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Life's there to be lived. And so, you know, if it's, uh, four hour walk in, so be it, you know, and then fish hard all day and do the walk out. You know, it's, um, uh, and that level of dedication, you don't see as much. I mean, you know, most people want to pull up to the turnout, get out of the car and, you know, start making a cast. Um, yeah. And yeah. Well, it and, kind and so of sounds like you're, I, you're pissing in our pocket a little bit and, you know, comparing us to uh, some Americans, and we like that. So you can keep doing it if you like. But you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, so. yeah, you, you mentioned something there. Like, obviously, the, the testing of the gear is a big part of the Scott program. Um, I want to dig a little bit more into the company ethos of Scott Fly Rods. Um, uh, how long have you been with the company now? Oh boy. Um, certainly 30 years, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, right. (laughs) That's a, that's a fair while. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that time flies though, doesn't it? You know, like the, the, the first 10 years just flies by in, in no time and no doubt it feels like just yesterday that you started. Uh, and is yeah. it, is it true you, you started alongside, uh, Harry Wilson who founded the company? Is that right? Or. Oh yeah, that, that's right. I was, uh, I was in college, um, guiding for my spending money. Um, and I happened to be, in the same town where Scott was located in the Bay area of California. And so I always wanted to go down to the shop and cast different rod models and ask questions. And I think ah, after about a year of doing that, Harry said, Hey, look, I appreciate you're really interested, but 
either make yourself useful or get the hell out of here. (laughs) 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 So uh, I I said, okay, I'll I'll try and make myself useful. Um, Yeah, right. Wow. So you were obviously there, you know, for, for your passion for fly fishing and obviously what they were doing as a company and the rods that they were creating. Was it all about fly rods back in those days? Oh, yeah. 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 So Scott, Scott's never done anything else. Um, we're coming up on our 50th anniversary, which is pretty awesome. And uh, we've only done one thing, and that's handcraft high-performance fly rods. Um, uh, and one of the really kind of unique and cool things about the company is that um, you know, every Scott rod in 50 years that's been in somebody's hands, uh, you know, was built, built in, in the, in the shop. Um, wow. and so, yeah. And it's, it's a really almost an unprecedented business model in this industry, um, to have that length of history and, you know, stay dedicated to, to one idea um, instead of, you know, cause, cause we don't necessarily want to be the biggest or, you know, our goal isn't to, you know, conquer the world of fly fishing. So because of that, we don't need to, you know, decide that we're getting into the real business or the line business or the clothing business. Um, you know, we're happy to let the companies that specialize in that do their thing, and we just want to do ours, and that's that's make great fly rods. Uh, yeah, I really respect that. That um, so, who is who owns Scott Fly Rods? Uh, sorry, I missed that. Who owns Scott Fly Rods? Oh, uh, so uh, a gentleman named Bill Ford owns the company, and he's owned it. Uh, well, so Harry started the company um, quite late in life. Uh, he had already had a long career in engineering and um, started the company when he was almost 70 years old. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, became ill and had a stroke. Um, and he was no longer able to continue. Um, and so he sold it to Bill Ford, who has owned it since. So that's probably going on 30, 35 years, uh, or, or somewhere in there, 25 years. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so is he a passionate fly fisherman himself? What? what? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Sure is. yeah. So the- he, uh, I, I'm not going to say he's a dry fly only guy, but he will always choose the dry over, something else if he can <laughs> <laughs> okay there's nothing wrong with that you know you can be a purist oh, exactly <laughs> exactly yeah oh yeah no i i think he just likes the whole um challenge and you know the visual part of the game of you know seeing a fish feeding on the surface having to put the fly in exactly the right place and uh and watch it you know eat it it's magic you know and and and, and don't we all <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah, no, that's good that he's obviously got the smarts to not pressure you guys to 
expand on your range of, of rods, um, you know, just for the sake of, of, I guess, a corporate grab. So, yeah, that's that's great the way that you yeah exactly you're exactly. able to run it. Um, yeah, and and you know, it, 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 it's a it's a good small business. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with being a good, healthy small business, right? Um, you're not that model has worked, you know, all over the world for a long time. Um, uh, and in fact, I would say I see more companies get in trouble trying to go the other way. Um, and yeah, and, and not be satisfied, you know, with running a, uh, good, sustainable, healthy business, even if it's, small, um, you know, and just trying to expand too fast, too much, um, trying to take more and more usually, or, or can at times end up, you know, yeah, didn't want it to be. No, I think that's, you've hit the nail on the head. Definitely. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a bit more about this new fly rod, the Scott session. Uh, first of all, the name, love it. Um, who came up with that and why? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we did in house. Um, and because we felt like that was, um, I just fit for us. Like, you know, we, we run out for, you know, a fish as often as possible. Um, whether it's, you know, for, uh, a week somewhere or a, a couple of days, or even if we have two hours after work, um, it's just kind of the culture of our team. And, uh, we, you know, we jokingly say, you know, Hey, you know, let's run out for a little session on the river. And, um, and it just kind of seemed appropriate and stuck. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. So, um, that's, that's where the name came from. Fantastic. Um, what, uh, yeah, so where, let, uh, maybe just for the listeners, just explain where this rod fits in the range of Scott Fly Rods. In my mind, it fits, action-wise, it fits squarely in between the G-Series and the Centric. Um, in, in a place I would consider almost the ideal, uh, and I think I was talking about the five weight and its versatility, um, in, in that almost perfect action slot that just does a lot of things well and does a lot of things comfortably. Um, uh, and you know, one of our most beloved rods of all time, the Radian, uh, when we came out with that, we said it's a rod that's fast with feel. And I would say that that's almost exactly how I think of, of this action. So it's, um, it's just a really user friendly action that a lot of different anglers with of a lot of different abilities and, and styles can kind of get behind fits them well. Um, so that's great. Uh, okay. And the, at, at, a, at the price point, because they're, they're a little bit lower in cost than, the centric and oh yeah and, and that's the other great thing is that they're um you know they're coming in 
what more than 30% below where like centric or G are right now. Um, and really honestly, you know, you know, premium rods have gotten quite expensive. Um, and, and not, at least from our perspective, not from, you know, uh, what, what now is called Greek glacian or, <laughs> or corporate grab, but, um, you know, because, we try and take good care of our employees and the materials we use are the best in the world and they cost a lot of money. And, and um, uh, so, yeah, it was really nice to bring this in at a more accessible price point that I think is going to um, make it easier for, for more anglers to you know, be able to enjoy a super premium rod experience. So it is still a super premium rod. Can we expect the same level of componentry on your Dera rods? Yeah. So, so in my mind, it is a super premium rod, both in terms of materials, uh, performance, and and components. Um, and in fact, I mean, I'm going to personally be fishing this rod. So, and I can fish any any rod in our range. Um, so. You know, it, it's using, for instance, uh, uh, the same resin system that's in uh, Centric and Sector fly rods. It's using our latest version of the ultralight carbon fiber arc reinforcement, the ARC-2. Um, and it's using uh, our most uh, advanced mandrel designs and, and our most advanced carbon fiber layouts. Um, the components are not quite as over the top as, um, let's say you'd find on a sector or, you know, something like that. But, uh, they're certainly very much in keeping with the quality of the blank, meaning, um, it's a fully milled, uh, you know, and machine aluminum bar stock reel seat with double lock rings with a really cool dyed green um, uh, box elder wood insert. Um, it's got the uh, latest silicon nitride stripping guides, um, which are currently the uh, hardest and smoothest ceramic, lowest friction ceramic uh, guide you can get. Um, it's got low glare, light wire snakes. Um, and then of course it's got the premium wrapping and finishing that we're known for. Um, and it's got a beautiful new grip shape that we designed. It's just super comfortable. Um, and it comes, you know, in, in really nice finished packaging. So, uh, yeah. So I would say, um, in my mind, it's, I, I would stack this up against anyone else's premium fly rod and not even think twice. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you've yeah. really set about creating a rod that suits pretty much everyone without compromise at a price that is more palatable to the majority of anglers. So kudos. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was kind of the mission, Andrew. I mean, that was what we were you know, setting out to do. When, when we started the project, we said, hey, you know, because not, I don't want to, um, uh, you know, say anything, uh, out of, out of turn on, on previous versions, but 
But we definitely, when we tried to come in outside of the ultra premium ranges, um, in some ways we had to dumb down some earlier series um, just to be able to make them. Um, in this case, not at all. We, we really set up. We said, "Hey, how how can we really deliver um, a great product that that any angler is going to be happy to?" to use um and and that that covered everything from you know the action style and where that fit in um on a performance basis to component group to fit and finish um awesome right yeah sounds great yeah, yeah um you know the i guess the the landscape and the way these new fly rod models are being marketed today uh, what, what do you, <laughs> you can, you can say whatever you like on this podcast, but, um, what are your thoughts on, I guess the, uh, some marketing campaigns, uh, advertising rods as being four times better or, you know, uh, various. We, 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 um, yeah. So one thing is we would personally never, um, make a claim that we couldn't justify. I, I'm a big fan of what I call um, tangible differences. So if I can point to them and say, do you see that? That has these attributes and you can compare it to other things <laughs> and verify it. But to say that um, something is four times better or four times this or whatever um, is pretty, pretty tough. Um, we, uh, we're going to be running an ad that says that the session is four times more fun to fish. And <laughs> that, I believe. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. Uh, because the, actually, and, and all kidding aside, um, that was a huge goal of this project was we wanted a rod that was super efficient and easy um, where you didn't like where you don't have to fight it, push it um, to make it work. Um, and one of the things that we were thinking about throughout the whole development process was like, you know, people's time on the water is valuable. Like, you know, when, when you get to go fishing, um, that's, that's important to anglers. Like that's, an, that's an important use of time and um, you want equipment that is reliable and also that's just fun to use, right? That, that makes you feel like, you know, you're a better angler in some way. And, and um, so, uh, you know, that, that, is, uh, uh, that was tongue-in-cheek about the four times more fun to fish. But in a way, that's kind of true in, in, our, in our goal set yeah. um, of, of what we wanted. Yeah. And you know, I, I think... We want, you know, you could speak generally that, that Scott fly rods are just so, I don't know, there's no other word to describe it, but really smooth to cast. I'm yeah. not sure how you achieve that, but I think the result is uh, the, how do I put it? They seem to just grow in popularity year on year. It's organic. It's like people fall in love with these rods and... <laughs> it might be five years after launch that you start selling more than you did on the fir- in the first year. That, 
that's that, right. That's right. A, a pretty unique thing, isn't it? You know, where other companies are spending upwards of a million US dollars on marketing campaigns, uh, Scott are just pouring everything into creating better rods and relying on anglers to spread the word organically. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and our great retail partners. I mean, you know, I mean, well, you know, we've worked with you for many, many years and have a great relationship and a lot of trust between us. Right. Because, um, you know, you trust that we're going to do our homework and, and put our, our very best into each project. And, and we have the same trust back for you guys that, you know, that you're going to, uh, help spread the word and, you know, and introduce people, uh, to this and, and that kind of relationship that we have, uh, with our dealer base is, is a huge part of it. Um, you know, and, 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 and that is, I think a lot of what gets anglers talking to one another and saying, wow, did you try this? Or, wow, I've been fishing this and I really love it. Yeah, it yeah, just takes so. trying it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the, you know, uh, I guess Scott Flyrod Company aside, but are there any other fly fishing brands or, or companies in fly fishing that you respect or admire? Oh, tons. Yeah. Now, one of the, one of my favorite things, I, I actually have nothing but goodwill for uh, this industry, you know, uh, globally. Um there's a lot of really fine people who work in fly fishing who not only care about the products they make, but care about taking care of the resource so that it's sustainable and it lasts and, and, you know, fish are healthy and abundant. Um, and what a great group of people, right. To, to be dedicated to that mission. Um, I mean, for me to Working in fly fishing is, you know, a true blessing. It's, uh, you know, you couldn't be luckier. And uh, I think anyone who shares that feeling, I, I deeply respect. Um, uh, you know, probably the ones that I'm <laughs> maybe a little more suspect for are the ones who, um, you know, are, are, trying to grab it all or, you know, just about themselves, but, but as a community and as a whole, I would say the majority of the people who are working in fly fishing care deeply about the sport and the experience. And, um, so, you know, I, I mean, you know, look at a company like Sims and the dedication they put into just uh, taking comfort and you know waiting and every you know and layering and outer or whatever you know all the categories to the whole next level right and I mean, the amount of innovation over the years that's come out of that organization or um you know look at where reels have come they're mm. they're fantastic works of art that take you know hundreds of steps of mill work and, you know, uh, just the most over-engineered things ever. But <laughs> I think it's that, that very passion, right. That, that, that drives, you know, 
the love people have for this sport drives them to those extremes. Like to be like, yeah, no, I mean, totally. It's a line holder, but you know, it's got, you know, a four layer carbon disc drag that's sealed from the elements and it's been, you know, cut on, six different mill machines that each cost a million dollars or something. It's just nutty, no um, one, but it's fun. And, right? Yeah. No one finds their way working in the fly fishing industry uh, w- without that, that passion. They're not there just to, to collect their weekly paycheck. It's like, you know, it's probably exactly harder than most industries to get into. And yeah, but if they're keen enough, there's always a door open. <laughs> right. And, and I always say it's, it's a, for the size it's got to be the most complicated business ever, right? Because it's made up of a collection of, you know, very small companies by global standards, right? Um, teeny, teeny companies by global standards. Yeah. Yet, you know, a, a lot of them have, you know, hundreds of dealers and, uh, you know, uh, extensive product catalogs that need to be managed and, um, you know, that's a lot of work for a, a teeny company. Uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, there's plenty of brands, you know, take 3M Post-its, for example. Um, I, I believe the Post-its division of 3M is bigger than the entire fly fishing industry globally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're made up of thousands of companies. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, small, like, you know, in, independent, you know, single door fly shops. I just think of the passion. I mean, it's, it's not just the brands, but think of the rest of it. Um, you know, to, you know, open a specialty retail store in a day when, you know, box and internet has taken over everything and provide that level of, of service and experience to your customers and like, you know, build that community and, you know, really educate them. And I mean, that's amazing, right? Like, you can't think of too many other retail businesses that are like that. Um, uh, same thing with, you know, I think of a top notch guide and the work they put in to provide this amazing experience to their clients on the water. Um, yeah, that doesn't come without that passion. For sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Yeah. Um, and outside of your role with Scott, you're also chair of American the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. Uh, has that made you look at the fly fishing trade in a more broad or, or a light that's any different to how you did prior? No. Um, and, and by the way, I'm, I am finally done being the chair after oh. six years, which is great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I love the volunteer service to the industry. And yep. so, um, but I have been mentoring the new chair, which is great. Um, and, uh, and she'll, you know, take it to the next level. Um, and then, and then this is, you know, I also served for, I think eight years, uh, almost 20 years ago with, with Casey Walsh and Bruce Kirshner from Sage and like the real old, old school, the old guard, yeah. Uh, people. Um, but, but no, it hasn't really changed my view of fly fishing. Um, you know, it's definitely highlighted for me some of the challenges and struggles 
that, you know, we face as small businesses and as a industry that really relies on, you know, natural resources, um, uh, and, and the need to keep those healthy and vibrant so that, you know, we all still have good places to fish. Um, uh, and you know, there's some definite challenges, you know, with warming waters and, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but, uh, do you but see, no, do you see uh, those environmental considerations as the biggest potential challenge for the fly fishing industry in the future? I, I do actually, because I think, I think the, the sport itself, um, will always appeal to, uh, people who practice it. Um, but if we don't have places to practice it or if our fish populations decline, um, you know, that's going to be a huge loss for everyone. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and I've seen that for sure change in places. Um, there's still plenty of vibrant, healthy fisheries around, but there's also ones that, you know, a great example would be Florida Bay, uh, in the Keys where, um, you know, historically been the greatest tarpon fishery on earth, uh, full of bonefish and redfish and snook and, um, and the, you know, the water temperatures are sky high now and the algae blooms are, are huge and, and you see it in fewer numbers of fish. Um, they're not as happy to hang out there anymore. And, um, and you know, the, the bright side though, not to be all doom and gloom is that, uh, like the fly fishing industry in particular and, and a lot of others, are working super hard to correct the issues that are causing that. Um, and so I think, uh, that's one of the, the greatest things about the fly fishing community to me is that, that, you know, that passion that we talked about on the business side holds true throughout the whole community and when with anglers too, um, you know, they're, they're willing to, put in the work uh, to make the changes to keep these places from declining. Yeah, I, look, I think uh, you're lucky in America to have people that are so willing to devote time and funds to, to these, these projects. I think in Australia and probably New Zealand as well, we're, uh, we're too lazy. I don't, it doesn't happen in the same way, if I can be, uh, yeah, critical of what's but, going but, on here. But actually, I, I would disagree. I would say it's because you, you have fisheries that are healthier still. They haven't gotten there. Um, so what I would encourage, you know, my friends in Australia and New Zealand and the fishing community here to do is don't wait until it's a huge lift to fix it, stay on top of it early. Um, so it doesn't get there. Um, but I know, I know that anglers in, in Australia and New Zealand, if you guys start to see declines, I have no 
question in my mind that you will fight your butts off for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I, I'm, I gotta have to say, you're lucky and I'm happy that you haven't had to yet, but, <clears throat> uh, you don't want that time to come. No. But if it does start to show up, um, uh, just like we were talking in the very beginning of this conversation about, you know, how passionate the anglers are here, um, and how, you know, they really get after it. Uh, I think they would fight like hell, uh, to protect them if, if it seemed like they were under threat. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly lost some fisheries over here, but I think you're right. You know, we, we lose one and there's always somewhere else to fish. Uh, but, it, yeah, you can't help but question how many do we have to lose before we do something about it. Right. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the angling community, while it's, you know, it, it, the passion's there, it's quite can be quite fragmented. And I think what... Oh, uh, what is it? Trout Unlimited have done over there is is incredible, and to be able to, uh, yeah, well, you know, the projects and things that they've done is, is just it's so admirable, and hopefully we can get to that that sort of point at some point. Oh, I hope so too. That's one of the greatest uh, success stories in conservation in the world. Um, what they've done, absolutely since, since yeah, since they were founded. So. So have you got a bit of extra travel going on after New Zealand? What's your what's on your itinerary? I, I, I don't. Um, no, this was a, a quick trip. Um, we really wanted to make sure. I mean, uh, you know, trout fishing is central to fly fishing. I mean, even with the growth of saltwater and other great species like Murray cod and, and, uh, you know, carp and other things that, that we all chase with a fly, um, or golden Dorado, um, trout are still the central species of the sport. Um, and there's nowhere on earth that embodies, you know, quality trout fishing like over here. So it seemed like, the appropriate place to come for the launch, um, of the new series. Uh, and then the other <laughs> undeniable fact is it's the middle of winter at home and we have no trout fishing going on. So <laughs> 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 we're, we're buried in snow. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how is your local fishing opportunities? Uh, we have fantastic ones. Um, just right now it's, uh, it, it's, you know, the snowiest, coldest time of year for us. Um, so the mountains are inaccessible to fishing. Um, and then the canyon and valley rivers aren't quite getting enough sunlight, air temperature, water temperature to uh, create a lot of fish activity. So we can still go out and catch a trout almost any day of the year, but it's definitely at its uh, low point for, you know, of the annual cycle. Well, um, thank you for releasing a brand new fly rod during the peak of our season. <laughs> doesn't quite suit you, yeah. but, you know, we appreciate it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I mean, look, I can't, uh, I can't wait to string up one of these rods. I think the guys at Manic have um, have sent us some, and they're currently in transit. So yeah, looking forward to getting my hands on them. What uh, what is the release date? Is it Friday or something? Is it? Yeah, it's Friday March first. Um, really excited about it. Actually, um, this is. Uh, I think one of the more significant releases we've done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great celebration of, of, uh, fishing and, and, uh, the work we've done and the work you guys have done. And so, yeah, thank you. And what about yourself personally, mate? What's on your horizon uh, for this year? Let's see. Well, so I, you know, my, my global travel has been really quite limited. Um, uh, you know, because it was for everybody. Um, so I have, uh, this is my first trip back, uh, to New Zealand and to see Renee, uh, in six years. Um, I've also not been to Japan in quite a few years. Um, so I'm going to try and make that happen this year. Uh, of course, um, some trips down to the Florida Keys to, uh, fish tarpon and permit and bonefish. Um, yeah. And going to keep enjoying making fly rods in the shop <laughs> with the team. Um, yeah. Yeah, so fantastic, good stuff. man. No, it's it's good to see that the uh, how real that passion is for you, and um, yeah, hats off with the the new rod. I can't wait to to take one for a fish, and uh, mate, really appreciate you uh, having a chat with us today, and um, and can't wait to get those session rods into the hands of some of our customers at the Fly Fisher. Oh, I I, I can't wait either, Andrew, and and thank you so much. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed that chat with Jim Barchi. Scott Session fly rods are available at the Fly Fisher for $12.49.95. Come in for a test cast or order online at theflyfisher.com.au.